This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and the positivity has left my voice. Uh, this is a post react for uh, Columbus. Uh, I'm have I'm struggling. My brain already wants to overwrite the fact that I watched Charlotte FC play Columbus Crew. So if I have to reach for any of the details of this game, it's because I don't want to remember them. Uh, and here to be forced against their will to remember Charlotte FC playing Columbus Crew is Josh. Hello, Josh. Hello, Logan. Yeah, that was rough. <laughs> that was, it was we. It was good for like five minutes, and then it wasn't. Yeah, the we have been sort of on this train of like, hey, we see where things are going. We see structure. We see this sort of defined play style that can grow and, you know, should be able to have pieces and interchange and in and out. We got young kids. We got Brandon Cambridge. We got we got all this cool stuff that looks like it, it could grow into something. And then we play Columbus. And, you know, they, they looked like they had the, br- the blueprint for how to beat Charlotte FC. They looked yeah. like they knew every weakness we had and came in and were just ready for it. And we looked like we weren't ready for anything they were going to bring. Oh, yeah, it was it was the they looked a lot faster to my eyes in everything that they did, the way they moved the ball, um, they're running. I don't know how many games they have played in the month of May, but um, I'm still considering this to be the month of May. I know we're technically into June, uh, but it's very clear that Charlotte are desperate for this week off that they're going to have. If I was Latanzio, I would have my guys not be in training until, I don't know, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, I mean, uh, or I would have them doing like like 15 minutes of training just yeah. to keep their legs alive. And other yeah. than that, just full rest. I, I do think you're right to to caveat this performance by saying that everyone we're about to card and we go, we're going to be giving out some cards today, <laughs> boys. <laughs> we did the positive today. We're here to do the negatives. Uh, I don't, I don't think this is a crowns type of day. Uh, the, the people we're going to give out cards to some of them do just look dead on their feet. Yeah. And there are some others we're not going to get to talk about in this one that we'll probably talk about later that look dead. I mean, they just look like they, they have nothing left in the tank an example of this one. And I, I don't, you know, and no, I, I should stick to the script. We have a script for a reason. <laughs> Josh, today, would you like to do cards first or cards first? Uh, I think cards first, if you're okay with that. You know what? It seemed, I, I was leaning towards <laughs> cards, but it, it, what, you've convinced me. Okay. You're a very persuasive man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when it's only one choice. <laughs> when it's only one choice. Uh, how about this? You go ahead and take your first one uh, because you get the, the challenging problem of of having to sort through the mess first. <laughs> so I, I'm going to I'm going to take the easy route, actually, and I'm going to do the most obvious one. And I, or at least to me, and I think it's Bill Tuiloma. Um, I have been I would consider myself a defender of Bill Tuiloma. Um, I know he's had some own goals, but. As I've said before, I thought that the process has been good. It has been that one small detail in the execution that has been lacking. However, the more we're seeing of Bill Tuiloma, the more errors 
we are seeing. Um, and I don't think that they happen necessarily every game, but I do think he's good for one big error kind of every other game, every third game. Um, and the goal he gives away to Columbus, I, I don't know who that pass is intended for. I think it might be for Jan. If it is, he way under hits it. If it's for uh, Harrison Awful, who's running back, I don't know what he's thinking. It is just another moment where you look at it and you say, what are you doing, Bill? Um, and when you're away at a team like Columbus and they kept showing this graphic where they've scored the most goals at home of anyone in the league to just gift a goal like that in the fifth or sixth minute um, and get that crowd that was already into it even more into it, I, I just it's becoming a big problem. And I will just say that I hope Melanda's hamstring is not too serious. And I hope Guzman Carujo is quickly approaching uh the ability to play a full game. Yeah, it was definitely it was definitely a rough one out of Bill. I don't think that was the only mistake he sort of had in the game. No. I think that as a whole, the defense, and we'll probably get on to maybe one, maybe two, maybe three, maybe maybe all of them, <laughs> depending on how we want to do this. I think that Bill Tuiloma joins the club of people that doesn't have an overwhelmingly good awareness of the, the pitch. Um, I think that when he's got full vision, I think when he's got some time to think about it, he, he understands the game and he is very good in, in sort of the, the fight. He's very good in, in earning his right to play against an attacker. He holds his space. Well, he's pretty good on uh, corners and on set pieces, but we have just seen so many times now that as the field shifts, he doesn't seem to have, he doesn't seem to check his shoulders well enough to shift with it. And whether that's, he's not looking beforehand or whether that's, he's looking too early, you know, maybe I'd love to get, I wish I just had a camera that I could, I could follow the one guy through the match the whole time, just so I could watch when they check their shoulders, where they are, what their body positioning is when they, when they set themselves up. Because this felt like a pass from somebody who who thought that there was just absolutely no potential thought of danger, so he didn't really have to bother with how well he hit it. Yeah. And I, I do think it's going all the way across. I don't think it's for awful running back. Uh, either way, it's bad. And yeah. Tui Loma, not, not a great look from him today. I think that is a worthy, worthy card. I guess, I guess that leaves it to me. And I am going to go with another defender. And I am going to go with uh, Jan Sobaczynski. And I understand this may not be the most popular card. I think that Jan has had some time to get into this team now. And I have talked at some length in the past about the fact that I don't mind a player who has confidence in himself. I don't mind a player who, who thinks that they can go out and achieve and goes out and tries to achieve and occasionally makes a mistake. Now, obviously, when a forward makes a mistake, it's not quite as devastating. You know, you want them to go and, and take risks and be front-footed. With defenders, you can get a lot of reward from good front-footed defending. You really can. You can catch people out. You can make transitions. You can get a lot of reward from very good front-footed defending. You can also just absolutely leave your team in shambles. And 
this felt like a game from Jan Sobosinski that uh, Jan Sobosinski that that left the team in shambles. There were a number of times I, I was just counting off of my fingers where I was like, why did you dive there? Uh, to the point that I, I wonder if I'm starting to fall off the fence of this guy is has a lot of faith in himself to this guy is is reckless. Mm-hmm. And one of the places you just cannot be reckless is center back. Right, like, yeah. like you, you can even kind of get away with it at fullback, and I would argue that you really don't want a reckless fullback, i.e., the reason Joseph Moore is not playing. But in center back, especially when you do not have your established hierarchy of defenders, when you do not have Adilza Milanda, who has been the 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 standard in for the game, to to step up into the midfield and not get the ball. There were a couple times that if Nathan Byrne hadn't been alive or if uh, Harrison Awful, et cetera, hadn't been alive to the play, this could have been way worse. Uh, not not a great showing for me from from Jan. What do you think? Yeah, I I continue to walk away from games where Jan features thinking that there is talent there. And there is youthful inexperience. I think for a lot of fans out there, Jan has been the beneficiary of playing next to or instead of Tuiloma, who, as we just talked about, has made a lot of, I think, high-profile mistakes. Yep. I think Jan's have not directly led to goals, so I think he's he's gone away with it a little bit more. I think his mistakes are are a little bit more low profile and you have to sort of be looking for them or, or sort of go back to see what happened. I still think there's a player in there, but I think we're reaching the point where I think it's safe to say he is not one of our best two center backs. If Guzman Carujo is healthy. Um, and I thought this game, he was just, I also thought he was out physical. You know, you talked a lot about the reckless behavior, but there were times, you know, on corners or in the box or even when he was trying to challenge by stepping up that I just didn't think he looked as physical as I need to from a, I need to see from a center back. I'm not ready to give up on, on Jan by any stretch. And I think that there's a real good argument to be made that he might be our third best center back. I might be having him a little bit over to Iloma right now, although I don't think Latanzio agrees with that. Um, mm-hmm. But I did not think that this was a good game from him either. I think there's a destabilizing element about Jan, mm. right? There's that element that if he goes out and and does what he is he is showing, right? Because everybody reads body language. When when you see your defender move up into the midfield, especially at the highest level, you're expecting your defenders moving up because they are going to win the ball. Defenders don't move up into the midfield unless they are winning the ball. It's one of the reasons that Derek Jones does have a superpower. When he moves up in the midfield, he wins the ball. I mean, it's it's something ridiculous. It's like 98% of the time he wins the ball when he steps up out of the line. I think that the team reads that from Jan. And then when he doesn't, or worse, when he misses the ball entirely, like what happened sort of late in the game today, yeah. the team has already shifted to attacking formation. The team has already said, my defender is moving because he has this. Yes. I mean, maybe one out of 100 he doesn't get. 
he has it. We are moving to the next phase of play. And then it doesn't happen and everyone's scrambling. And that can be more destructive because that leads to other stuff down the line looking bad. And really what's happened is, you know, a bad call in a critical position has broken down your ability to effectively defend. Mm-hmm. I don't think I need to hammer this down anymore. Although there was one time, I think during the match, we sent a, a chat where Jan lost a duel on the back post and Kalina had to make an amazing save off of a header from like point blank range. So yeah. not, not his best day. Uh, who do you want to go for, for your second card? Um, so I am going to stick with the, the defense, uh, but this time I'm going into goal and and to Christian Kalina. And my card is specifically for the third goal that we give up. Um, in our chat, uh, Ewan made some good points. I thought about how I think that there's an area of improvement for Kalina. And there is, I think, an argument to be made that maybe you want your goalkeeper doing a little better on the first goal that we give up. But it's such a bad pass from Tui Loma. I'm not really holding that against Kalina. The third goal for me is different, though. It's a it's a ball over the top. It's a really good ball by Zalarian. Um, but Kalina's there for me. He's there. You he, and he's not brave enough. He I don't know whether he second guesses himself in a split second. I don't know whether he sees an on wrenching Cucho and he just is afraid of taking the contact. I don't know what happens. I want my goalkeeper, though, to go get that ball, to punch it out, to grab it, to do whatever, to get a foul, maybe even on on Cujo. And it's weird to me, too, because I would not describe Kalina as a guy who shies away from contact. I think in general, he is actually a brave keeper when it comes to to going for things in the box. And I think that's what makes this even more surprising. Um, When that goal went in, that was... That was almost a more frustrating goal to me than the fourth goal, just because I thought that was the one goal that we really, really shouldn't have let in. Um, just from a, I, I just, I think he needs to go and get that ball and keep it to nothing. Yeah, I think that that's one of those times where it is a really good ball over the top, but he already had the momentum. He had already made the decision that he was going to get to that ball first, and then he stopped. And regular listeners of the podcast, we need to get mugs that say regular listeners of the podcast. (laughs) Regular listeners of the podcast will know that I came on and I spoke into this microphone about the fact that I really did not like that George Marks was indecisive, Mm. right? He would start one way and then he would get into no man's land and he would go another way and just completely take himself out of position. This is exactly what happens to Christian Kalina. And I, I think this is the first real point that I can draw to memory of Christian Kalina doing this so clearly. So I'm not trying to kill him for one moment. Yep. But the Christian Kalina I expect, I don't care if he goes like with a flying Superman dive and punches <laughs> that ball a uh, hundred yard, a hundred yards. I don't care how far he punches it. Well, I do care how far he punches the ball. I'm talking myself into a corner here. I don't care if he does a flying Superman dive. I don't care if he jumps up with his knee out like you get taught in every single keeper school ever from the time you're five years old. Every single keeper is told you are going to get hit. You do not have your hands. You protect yourself by jumping with your knee forward. And if someone is dumb enough to run into your knee at full speed, 
they are going to break a rib and it's their fault. The keeper has the right to the space. Yeah. That's that's what everyone is told. And Christian Kalina does neither. He neither goes over the top of, of the player, nor does he go up strong and and take that ball and own his space. And he gets scored on for it. And by the way, probably comes out worse anyway, because he still ends up essentially getting flying kicked. And once once he seeds that space, the, the attacking player has the right to it. Right. Yeah. So by not going in strong. Christian Kalina has actually put himself in more danger. And yeah, I, I think it, I think if he just goes for it, I think even if I think even if it's sort of a bang bang play, goalkeepers tend to get the benefit of the doubt, the over protection, whatever you want to term it. And that's the other frustrating part is I think if he just goes for that, even if somehow Cucho is like a split second ahead and the ball somehow finds its way into the back of the net. I wouldn't have been surprised if they had called it back for a foul on the keeper because yeah. you see that happen all the time. Um, as you said, this is not something that I think is a, I don't expect this to be a, a problem. It was just something that really bothered me today. Yeah. So here's a good question for you on this one. And that is how much did it feel like the effect of the game so far? Because that didn't look like the Kalina we know. Do you think there was some like, Hey, I've already got two in the back of my net now I'm a little bit more on edge than I normally would be. Maybe I, I kind of think that second goal, that second goal is a weird one to me. I think it's just a really good finish. And I think that that was a goal where no one, everyone was indecisive. So maybe that brings in some indecisiveness into I, this. I, I'm just sort of throwing stuff at the wall, to be honest with you though, because I really don't, I don't know. I have a bone to pick with Carol on that second goal. And it's not, it's not like a, you know, it, it's not like this is a, a hill to plant your flag on and die on. It's potentially a bone with Latanzio. I'm, I'm doing the thing again. I'm going down the rabbit <laughs> hole. We have, uh, we have a system for a reason. It's because on days like this where we have all the thoughts, uh, we have a way to identify them and slow them down. I think we have done enough on Kalina. Is there any yeah. final point you want? No, just that, you know, he made some other good saves. But that was he the card is specifically for that third goal. I'm going to ask you if you have another, because I think there are some other ones that need to get called out. And I am I'm worried we're not going to be we're not going to get them with one more. Uh, do you feel like you have one more in your in your pocket? Uh, I can I can give out another one. OK, I'm going go, to go or you go first. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with uh, Christian Latanzio. OK. And this is going to be a much softer card on Latanzio than I think a lot of people might be expecting after how the the game got really so blown out of the water on us. I think that Christian Latanzio suffered from a team that is just dead on their feet. Hmm. Uh, nobody looked alive today. I think... We talked about the fact that Justin Miram looked the most alive of anyone, yep. and he rightfully needed to be subbed off at 70 minutes because he had nothing left in his lungs. And he's 34. Uh, and he's 34, <laughs> right? Carol Schroederski gets a goal in this one, but the whole game, he was buying the play. The whole game, he was doing what we used to uh, gripe on Ben Bender for, where he was arriving late and scrambling mm -hmm. because he was reacting instead of being proactive. And that's not Carol's fault. Carol's legs are gone. 
He has played every single day or every single week, every three days for a month. His legs yeah. are gone, right? He has not had the uh, the backup to to help him out of this in Capetti. The the same thing is happening across the field. I think ben, uh, uh, Brant Bronico looked like he had one quarter of the engine he's used to having. And I think you could see it on his face. I think you could see Brant Bronico being like, why am I not there? Oh, it's because my legs aren't working. Yeah. But what I think we saw is Latanzio being a little bit unwilling to change once the cards were on the table, right? We saw him playing this sort of system with a two bank of five, one defending bank of five where the fullbacks invert. And then he had an attacking bank of five that would go up and still play this high pressure. And under the situation where the high press was clearly not working, the high press was also then not capable of getting back in any reasonable fashion, right? Karol Schroederski, when he was playing in the midfield, was flinging himself back to try and get onto defense. But it wasn't doing any good because he was scrambling into positions that were last-minute ditch attempts. Brant Bronico was scrambling himself back to get onto defense, but it wasn't doing him any good because his legs just physically would not take him from the, the top of the field where he was in attacking formation to actually helping on the defense. And while it does get changed, I do think that this is potentially a learning opportunity for Christian Latanzio that even if he felt like he had the right setup to go out and take advantage of this team his guys didn't have the legs and it it didn't feel to me like he addressed it well and quickly enough how do you how do you feel about that one yeah i i think overall that's fair i the one place where i thought he actually did a good job of addressing it was with taking off uh ajiman yep um, and I don't want to kill a guy who's making his first professional start, uh, you know, less than what, four months after being drafted. He did not bring anything to this game in the first half. And so I thought it made sense for Latanzio to bring him off and to change and put Swiderski back up front, bring on Ben Bender into, into Carroll's role. I thought all that made sense. I would have liked to have seen a few more changes in that at that moment. Um yeah. Or just quicker, you know. I think, I think bringing on Bender, but maybe also bringing on um, Jalen Lindsay earlier for one of our fullbacks who were getting roasted this entire game by Columbus's wide players. Um, bringing on Derek Jones at half, maybe for Brant Bronico, because, like you said, I didn't think they had the legs. I mean, I know Derek's played a lot of minutes too, but that's sort of splitting it fifth uh 45 45 um this has been an ongoing thing i think a lot of people have an issue with with latanzio i don't normally have too too much issue with it but i thought this game it was pretty clear that what we set out to do was not working and that it needed to be switched and i think he was as you said very slow in doing that both with the subs and with just sort of the tactics in game because even if you don't want to make a a change in the 30th minute, you can still give out directions to change what you're doing on the field. Um, yeah. Even if the players remain the same. Yeah. To the point that like, not that you want to give up all of the space, mm. but to the point that maybe you don't invert your, your fullbacks to quite that extent yeah. because the people behind them are not particularly fast guys. 
Bill Tuiloma is not fast. Jan oh. Sobaczynski is not fast. Uh, and then you're asking two elder statesmen of the game who are already in midfield and inverted to go toe-to-toe with some incredibly fast, very skilled players on the side of uh, Columbus. And it just didn't work. Um, It was one of those that I don't think necessarily, and this is why I think most people would hear a a card for Latanzio and go, oh man, they they went two-footed studs up into Latanzio. And I don't think that's what this is because I think he addressed it relatively well. I just think that it needed to be addressed quicker. Yeah, and uh, I think I'm going to leave it there because otherwise I will spiral down the coaching <laughs> rabbit hole of like, yeah, but what players were available, et cetera, et cetera. Were they worried about Bender's ankle? This is his first time back, uh, and I think we just have to go on with it. Uh, do you have another one for me? Yeah, so I think um, Ashley Westwood is going to get my what I, I think will be my final card, and I will again. This is another sort of caveat one. I think Westwood very much missed. Derek Jones as a midfield uh, mm-hmm. compatriot. Um, we we talked a little bit in our chat during the game about how it felt like without Derek in the in the middle of that park, we didn't have anyone who the team felt they could get the ball in our middle in our uh, final third or or the middle third and like keep it. And what ended up happening, what was really surprising actually, is there were a number of times where I saw Westwood actually trying to get the ball screaming for the ball and basically being ignored um and it was a it was a weird thing but i think it was a thing where we've talked about how he does a really good job of getting the ball moving making himself available for the pass again doing all that but without a guy like Derek jones who he felt i think could retain that ball it just didn't feel like he could get into a rhythm of receiving passing receiving passing um he had a couple a couple passes that i thought were uncharacteristically um off from him as well this is one of those cards where i think i expect more from westwood and i want more from him um i don't think it's all his fault but i just think that for the most part he was invisible and if we don't have him sort of clicking we really lack creative and attacking sparks yeah, I think it's a really good call out. Um, again, we talk about our, our match chat and we talked about the fact that this team has kind of forgotten how to play without Derek Jones. I think that we found a a setup in the midfield that we have talked at length about our our sort of man and a half position that every good team usually has at least one person who's kind of covering like one and a half places. And Derek Jones is is starting to do that. And he's starting to do it really effectively. And like you said, that frees up Ashley to go find space, to go be annoying, to go make progressive passes, because he knows he has that rock behind him. And he just did not look like he had the same level of effect. Um, I, is lost too strong of a word? Swallowed think, by the game, maybe? I think that is... I don't think he looked lost. And and I would also, I mean, I don't watch the game necessarily watching the opposing team. Um, Columbus's coach, and his name escapes me right now, is also a very good coach. So I would also not be surprised if part of their game plan was to shut down Ashley Westwood. Because again, if you do that, we really lack progressive passing. 
Um, but I think I think that idea of being swallowed by the game, I think that sits right with me. That that feels really um, on the nose. Yeah, I think I think it was being swallowed by the game when he did get the opportunity to hit passes. They they were passes he had to hit in really weird angles. Mm-hmm. And most of them still found their mark, but you know they were difficult to control. They were just a little long, and part of that is I think because he kind of got into awkward positions, and also because I think they did a good job pressing him. I'm going to move on and I'm going to do Brandt. Um, and I am not necessarily crown or uh, carding Brandt as much for his play as for as, or as for his, his age. <laughs> this is going to sound odd to say Brandt isn't a kid, yeah. right? Uh, I don't know exactly how old Brandt Bronico is. Do you know off the top of your head? 28, 26, 27, 27. Yeah, like 27. That. He is, he is middle to late prime of a footballer. Mm-hmm. And he is a guy who throughout his career has prided himself on having a unstoppable engine. And I think it's fair to say to all of the listeners and to Brandt himself that his engine is absolutely incredible. His ability to continuously run and mm-hmm. continuously move around the pitch is incredible. We have also talked about the fact that it gets him into trouble. He has the ability to, I'm not going to say go blinders, but to see opportunity and travel so far up the pitch that he's not capable of getting back and leaving a big hole in the midfield. I think it's one of the reasons that Derek Jones has looked so good is because he is capable of holding down that space for long enough that even when Brandt gets out of position, he has time to use that engine to get back into space. I think today we saw what happens when his engine's gone. Yeah. And what I would expect out of a 27-year-old MLS veteran professional player is someone who says, look, I get five big runs a game, right? I know I don't have it in my legs today. I'm going to do my best to be effective when we really see everybody's flowing forward. But otherwise, I'm going to sit in my hole and no one's going to beat me. And I did not see that out of Brandt today. I didn't see the positional discipline. And I may watch this one back because, well, I'm going to watch it back, but I may watch this one back and reassess this. But there were a lot of times I was looking around and I went, if Brandt had given himself the knowledge five seconds later that his legs probably weren't going to get him back there, he's in position and this isn't dangerous, right? It wasn't it's not so much about his play, because I think if he's fully fit, he probably can get back in a lot of those positions. I think it's this is a 27 year old who is old enough to know that he's not in peak condition and should probably be able to adjust. And I think that's the next step for Brandt is when I'm not in my best. Mm-hmm. How do I use that wisdom I've gained over the years to still be uh, effective and in my hole for the team? Yeah, I think that's fair. The The other thing that comes to mind when I think about Brandt is I still think we've seen him at his best when he's been part of a two-man holding midfield, a double pivot, whatever you want to call it. Um, yep. And that's the other thing that I would like to see him take the next step with is if he's playing that box-to-box eight role, the engine comes in handy run all you want like part of that role i think is is sort of to cause chaos and show up in places where you're not expected because you're running around 
But if you're going to fill in for Derek Jones, I think you have to rein that in, like you said. Um, because I do think that, especially as the year has gone on, I think Derek has reined himself in and has become someone who is doing a pretty good job of sticking positionally to where he's supposed to be. And if he makes forays further up, it is with intention and it is in good moments. Um, and that is what I would like to see from Brant if he's put back into that sort of filling in for Derek role is, is recognizing this is not the same role that I can play in if I'm part of a, a double pivot or if I'm playing that eight. I have to be more flexible here. And then I have to use my energy, whether I have it or not, or however much I have it um, in that role and making those short bursts um, to cover space rather than the sort of long ones that I think we, we grow accustomed to seeing from him. Yeah, there was a game a while back where he was dropping all the way back into the defensive line and he was actually using some of his knowledge to like marshal the defensive line. And I thought it was one of his best games because when he went running, his his sort of his sort of leash, that's not mm. a, that's not the right way to call it, but I don't have a better way right now. <laughs> um, his range was out to the attacking midfield, mm. not to the attacking corners. Yeah. And it basically meant that he was always a few steps away from defensive midfield where he could really impact the game. And I liked seeing that. And I, I think I want to see a little bit more of that positional discipline. Yeah. I think that we have almost carded the whole team. <laughs> uh, I don't think it makes sense to keep talking about the fullbacks. We know what their weaknesses are. Yeah. We know that Christian Latanzio wants them inverted. I, you know, we already carded Christian Latanzio and I didn't see a great way to cover for those infer- inverted fullbacks. So uh, I, I think we should shout out Justin Merrim. I don't know that it's crown worthy, but well done, Justin Merrim. You think that's fair? Yeah, I, I, I really, I, I just continue to like what I see from Justin Merrim. I really want to see him in a positional battle with probably Vargas for that left-hand side. Um, but the one thing I want to shout out about him is that what I think Merrim does really exceptionally well is when he receives a pass, he touches that ball into space really well. Um, yep. And it's not something that all of our wingers can do. Um, looking at you, Mackenzie, occasionally you, Vargas. <laughs> um, but Justin, he he just does that all the he and he's really good about taking that touch around a defender. Um, he doesn't quite have the legs you can see that he once had to to then zoom past that guy, but. If he can keep that ability, he is going to continue to be effective for us because it keeps that defender, I think, really honest on him because they have to know they have to be playing both both sides of themselves. They have to be wary of him cutting back, cutting in, all sorts of things. And that is just something that continuously jumps out to me about him. Yeah, I think it was a pretty decent game from him. There is some good news that I would like to get to, and that is for anyone who who does not know, uh, Josh, you have a, a big moment coming up in your life. You are about to have a kid. I am. I'm about to become a first-time father, so both excited and incredibly afraid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, obviously I've known about this for a while, and I've gotten to see you go from like, hey, this will happen sometime in the future, to, oh, this is happening, to, oh, this is happening, <laughs> and it's it's not only great to see, it's great to be a part of and, and 
hopefully, you know, all is well. I know it's happening fairly soon. So, you know, yes. we're super excited for you. If you don't hear that much from Josh in the upcoming weeks, uh, it's because he uh, is not sleeping. Yeah. Is that fair? <laughs> That's what I'm going <laughs> to be assuming is going to happen. <laughs> uh, so we we definitely hope to hear from you, you know, whenever you have the time. But for the for the short term future, I would not be expecting to hear too much of Josh's voice. And uh, we'll get you back on later in the year. All right. Sounds good. All right. We are going to go ahead and wrap it up there. Uh, you should be on the lookout on Monday. We have an interview with uh, Ben Bender, who came into our studio for a full length interview. Not one of these three, four minute interviews, full length <laughs> interview with Ben Bender. That was super cool. That'll be out Monday. Uh, we will talk to you shortly, and you can check out our social medias for a way to win some signed stuff by Ben Bender. We got a cool little miniature MLS soccer ball signed by him. We also have a minted 2022 hat signed by Bender that it is going to take everything in my power not to keep for myself, but I won't do it. <laughs> I've now put it on mic. Everyone knows it's out there. So if you want to be a part of those giveaways, if you want to follow us online, you can find us at... <clears throat> Uh, on Instagram at the underscore crown underscore cast. And you can find us on Twitter at the underscore crown cast. Oh, we've done it. And uh, with that, we will talk to you again on Monday, which happened last Wednesday. And then on Wednesday, next Wednesday, to break all of this down. Goodbye for now. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com.